Welcome to Hello Easton PA. I'm your host, Mark Nutting. I'm the owner of Jiva Fitness, an author, business consultant, former actor, dancer, martial artist, superhero, musician, and I love to connect with others. This podcast is a way for me to share the stories of the people I meet in my adopted hometown of Easton, Pennsylvania. Hi, this is Mark Nutting and welcome. Today I'm with Jen Whitlock from her company, True Colors Center for Creative Therapy. Hi, Jen. Hi, Mark. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Good. Tell me about True Colors Center for Creative Therapy. What is that exactly? Well, currently the center is just me. I I started it in um, New Jersey, and I wanted, I envisioned bringing together music therapists, art therapists, I do psychodrama, and I wanted it all in one place because I think it's very useful and because um, I wanted friends to be working with. Um, But then I moved to uh, Easton and it's just me. Um, And I counsel people in general and I also specialize in transgender issues. You've been in business, I'm looking at the information you uh, provided to me. You've been in business for 17 years. Yes. Okay. And has it, has this always been the iteration of it? I mean, granted, you said you're working on your own now, now that you moved to Easton, but um, has it always been, have you, have you grown in what you wanted to do or? Okay. Uh, well, I mean, I've gotten better at what I do. I'm more succinct. I'm more assertive. Um, um, yeah. You know, I, I'm better at getting to the point and also knowing who's not good for me. If I feel yeah. like I really can't help this person because of my expertise or because of my own issues, you know, somebody yeah. might trigger me for some reason. I'm easier at just saying, okay, let's talk about what might be better for you. I didn't start off specializing in transgender issues, but then my uh, sister's uh, daughter, um, I found out that we thought that it was a boy, but it turned out she's a girl. And at first we didn't know what to do. This was years ago before this was even in the radar. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she had found out, uh, she saw a video of Jazz Jennings on 2020, and then she um, knew what to do. But I started researching it. And then when I started researching it, I'm like, well, I know this information. Nobody else does this. So I started offering it. And then, and around then it was under Obama, and he did so many protections for transgender people. I yeah, mean, things yeah. were great. Things were, they, we got the cover of Times with Laverne Cox, and well, we had Caitlyn Jenner. She, maybe some people were disappointed in her as a role model, but she was there. Mm-hmm. And, it, and then it became this big thing. Now they need me more than ever because there's become a witch hunt against transgender sure. people. Yeah. And now, I mean, it could put me in harm's way, but I don't care because this is getting really dangerous. Yeah, no, I hear you. So when you started your creative therapy, it was not focused on transgender. No. And and how did you, I mean, even doing the creative therapy is a little bit more, I mean, you know, again, 17 years ago, a little bit more avant-garde, uh, a little, you know, not mainstream. So what led you to that? kind of therapy? Well, I was fascinated with psychodrama. I, I had the opportunity to try the method once, and so I uh, started this intensive program in the Hudson Valley, uh, the Hudson Valley Psychodrama Institute. And I would go up for a three-day weekend 
for once a month for six months, mm. and we would intensively part uh, participate in our own psychodramas and then also practice, and we'd learn the method, and we would try that. And I would tell you, this worked better for me, for my own personal growth, than any other thing I had tried. I mean, you know, as a therapist, it's easy to think just because you know the right things to do that you're doing it. You know, intellectually, it's, you know, it's, I would be so intellectual about it. I went to so many schools about it, but growth is more than just thinking of what to do. It's actually doing it. Mm -hmm. And psychodrama takes you through enacting situations. Like you can revisit uh, something, uh, trauma in the past, and get to a better resolution of it, a better understanding of it. Or you could practice a difficult conversation. And, and it puts you into... Um, just a more, it makes it more vivid, and also it makes it, you're doing it, you're practicing instead of just talking about it, you're practicing the skills. Now, I know, I know that a lot of people have difficulty role-playing, mm -hmm. and even if it's their own role in a different time. Yeah. Uh, have you found people that that did not work with? I mean, very, very, of course, this is, you know, when you choose a niche and, you know, you've started with that niche and you've, you've expanded it or, or even made it more of a niche by working with the transgender. Um, but when you do that, you there are a lot of people who just won't fit that mold. Yeah. Well, I don't only do that. You know, I, I can yeah. talk to people. I can still be intellectual. And a lot of people do resist doing yeah. role playing. I think it might be useful if they could try to do it, but that's not it. And sometimes I've had... I had trouble getting um, groups together, especially in Newton, New Jersey, where I started. Um, it's just not a very artistic, creative kind of area. Mm -hmm. uh, but there are warm-ups um, in psychodrama. They, you, you don't just start saying, okay, let's visit your trauma. Right, you know? yeah. <laughs> you start, Ooh, yeah, yeah. Jump, jump right in. <laughs> yeah, it's just jumping. It's, um, you start off doing more gentle exercises. And it's really good for people with uh, social anxiety. I had a client, I mm -hmm. did a psychodrama group, and she, you know, it, it, you give them things to do, things to talk about, things to interact with. And she said that when she went to other support groups, she just felt like she was, um, she was just nervously milling about and not saying much. But mm -hmm. here it might be, okay, pair up with somebody and talk about this issue. Mm -hmm. and and then do this and and socially anxious people might not enter psychodrama because they're afraid but if they do they like that they have they're told what to do they don't know what to say right sure yeah so it, you know and then you know you've been practicing that and at a certain point uh when you had the the uh opportunity to research the transgender issues and everything else. You made that, that switch to really focus on that. Mm -hmm. um, what are the, some of the, you know, this is very general, you know, I mean, everybody has their own situation, but, but generally, you know, is it, uh, do you find the, the greatest thing of their own internal struggle with, with finding themselves or is it mostly external or a mix of both? Well, of course it would be a mix. Um, it's easier to come out as transgender if you do have a friendly environment, if your parents yeah. are supportive is the major thing. If you have supportive parents, you can deal with the kids making funny um, names to you. It doesn't yeah. matter so much, you know, if you can come home and be accepted. Um, so, and then if you have supportive friends 
and if your school, the more that is supportive, the better it is. Um, Certainly. Uh, but even if there, a person might have supportive people at first, they might be afraid they don't. So right. it's, yeah. I think the disapproval or the threat of disapproval does make it harder for people to come to terms with who they are. Yeah. Um, and there's, it's a phase. It's a series of steps getting closer to it. There's, you know, am I transgender? And that can take a while to figure out because there's a lot of denial because you'd maybe rather not be, you yeah. know, yeah. I'd rather not be hated um, by like a lot of people. Um, but, at, but then people get to the point where it's just too painful to not live as themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's so strange because... Even when I have clients who did decide to transition and they tell me about a difficulty and I say, well, does that make you want to go back? You know, do you want to go retreat and hide yeah. behind, you know, your um, assigned gender? And I've never had somebody say yes. Mm -hmm. Even when people are obnoxious, they would still rather be themselves right. and be yeah. criticized. It, it might take people a while to get there. But that's what most of my clients or, you know, just about all of my clients um, have concluded. Yeah, yeah, good. I mean, good for them. Yeah. So the, the services you offer, now you do uh, the psychodrama groups. Uh-huh. And do you use that technique with indivi individuals as well? I do, in different ways. Like, for instance, if somebody's telling me a conflict that they're having... And, oh, well, he said this, and I said this. Mm -hmm. Like, could you be that person and say it in the tone that they said it? Yeah. You know, because it really makes a difference whether somebody says, you know, clean up the house or clean up the house. I mean, sure, certainly. you know, yeah. and it gives me so much more information. And so at the very least, I try to encourage it. That might be a first step to get them into it. Is, yeah. I mean, there is what they call the empty chair technique where you talk to the person and then you become that person and respond yeah, and right. you can do it that way. But before I even do the empty chair, I might be asking them to like, yeah, can you can you get, right. you know, and I might interview them as if they were that person. Like, OK, I'm, you're the mother. What's your name? And like, so, hi, mom. You know, what do you think of what your daughter's doing over there? And um, yeah. Yeah, you kind of talk to that person. They talk as if they're that person, yeah. and it gives let some get some empathy, and also give me information about what's happening. Yeah, is it uh, you know not really understanding the practice as much? Uh, is it that you try to get them into the groups? Is it does it is it more effective in the groups? It's better. I mean, I think it is better in a group. Yeah. Um, uh, what I do before somebody goes into a group, I like to have maybe beginner groups where you don't address any major issues. You just, it's focused on the present or the future. Yeah. And you do fun and probably similar to your improv workshop that you have, there might be like little improv games yeah. to help warm somebody up and get them used to the idea of role playing, interacting yeah. with each other, things like that. And um, then you choose one person to feature, you know, whatever it is they want to do, whether they want to practice, I want to rehearse for how to tell my mom this or right, sure. what it is. And then they cast people to play their, the people in their drama. Yeah. Um, so, but I start with more lightweight because if you're going to do an ongoing, if you're going to address real issues, it's great for addressing real issues. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I just want people to sample the technique first and and then commit to the ongoing group. Yeah. Because if you need to trust someone to do, if there's a trauma, you need to trust everyone, not just have a different right. person every yeah. week. Yeah, because then you don't know where your secrets are going either, yeah. too. Right, know? right. And you, and it might take a while to build up trust before you'll even address it. Yeah. So first, I offer like a series of just kind of fun little workshops about exploring, trying on a new role or or trying on the future, the being who you want to be in the future. And um, then uh, and then from that, I recruit people into the bigger groups. Oh, OK. And do, how long do the bigger groups last? Is that do you have a set time or is it just kind of? There's no real mm -hmm. answer to that. I like to have at least um, like 10 weeks to start yeah. or, you know, some kind of a commitment and and it could turn into an ongoing one. Yeah. Okay. And do you, you try to keep, if it, you turn into an ongoing one, like I, one group may be ongoing while other groups are shorter lived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the, you know, little, this workshop, this workshop, this workshop. But from those people, if they like the method, okay, um, you can join the bigger group. Yeah. Where do you see your business in five years? I'm really good where I am, actually. <laughs> well, you know, and that, that's, that, that's really great to hear. But, you know, a lot of people are in growth mode, yeah. you know, and we'll talk about how they want to expand. And even mm -hmm. if they're successful in their business at the time, yeah. well, how do I keep, keep it growing? Yeah. And, and there are a lot of people who are very happy where they are. Yeah. And it, it's kind of important to acknowledge that for yourself, you know, too, because then you're not stressed about, well, I, I got to keep, don't I have to keep growing? Don't I have to do... Not so much. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, I'm 60 years old. Um, I don't know if I'll ever retire. I'll probably just take fewer clients, yeah. you know. Um, but I like to do groups here and there. I'd like to um, start up um, some more workshops, the, the drama workshop. It's psychodrama is weird because the name ha word has been used to mean negative things. Mm -hmm. So I sometimes have to call it different things. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, yeah. create uh, therapy and action. They use action sometimes. Um, but uh, I, may, I was thinking of doing maybe a memoir group. I'm taking one with a therapist right now. And I, I have been a professional writer before. And I think I would be good at, um, we write our, our memoir and then we read it in the class and then we get feedback in order to expand it. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, as I age too, and you know, I think- You have I more to put that, in your memoir. Well, I have more <laughs> to put in mine, but also the idea of, you know, my grandma left behind her memoir and oh, I learned right? things about her. I didn't find it until she died, you know, but I learned things about, wow, well, she's such a cool woman. And, um, and I think, you know, you want to let your kids know what your life is. I mean, you know, so I is, is that useful. kind of the point not to interrupt you there, but I, that's what I do. Yeah. Um, the, no, the, is, is the point to write the memoir and have some, some documentation of your life or is it to actually publish it? Whatever you wanted. I mean, the the um, teacher I'm going with, uh, it's mostly for you to make sense of things. Like you're not just documenting things, yeah. but you're making sense. And he goes with a method, which I would do too, which is like an arc. So if you're talking about, maybe you start with the time you wanted something and you didn't have it, and then it goes to the end where you accomplished it. Mm -hmm. So there's meaning. I mean, you can write, I just read Mel Brooks's um, memoir and 
He doesn't do that. It's very entertaining anyway. I'm sure it's entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's the one who um, narrates the Audible book. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's you know, fun too. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, there could be many uh, different threads. You know, you could do one uh, one memoir about, uh, you know, just a relationship with this person mm -hmm. or um, about overcoming addictions or anxiety or whatever it is. And, and just by writing it, you make meaning out of it. Mm -hmm. So, okay. and and also the way the teacher directs you. Um, but yes, I think you could, maybe you could publish it and maybe it's also good to give to your kids, but maybe it's just for you. Right, okay, great. Mm -hmm. The let's, let's cut away from the business now and talk about you. Okay. So where are you from originally? Originally Glenrock, New Jersey. It's a commuting town of New York City. Yeah. And you made your way into New York a bunch? Oh, of course we did. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Back then, the drinking age was 18. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was when I was you know, yeah. 18 Yeah, and as we well. would go out dancing and all that, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you grew up there. Mm -hmm. Then where did your life take you? Well, I went to school in Philadelphia at the University of Pennsylvania. Yeah. And... Um, and then majored in English, um, and then I got a job right afterwards at Rodale Press here in Emmaus, Pennsylvania, oh, really? as a writer. I was writing health books. We all ganged up a prevention. They have Prevention Magazine, right. and we did prevention health books where first book was called Future Youth, and it was about how to either prevent the bad things that could happen when you age, or if you already started having these things, how to take care of it. Mm -hmm. And they would just give you chapters. There were a bunch of us writing it. So it's like, okay, I write this chapter. They have all the research materials there, and then I write it. And uh, so I, I was very proud of myself that I actually got a full-time job as a writer. Right. Yeah, yes. no, that's a great That's hard to do. Great bit, yeah. yeah. Yeah, And then I started writing for the morning call, too, on the side. Oh, okay. Just freelance, not full-time. Yeah. And, and then I ended up doing a lot of articles about gay issues, mm -hmm. um, because I knew about this stuff. I asked my editor, Len Riggie, um, I'm like, Len, I notice you guys aren't writing about gay stuff. I mean, is it that you don't know about it, or is it that you have something against it? And he's like, no, 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 go ahead, go ahead. And mm -hmm. so, like, all these lesbian comedians were coming into Diamonds and Stonewall, yeah. and I got to talk to all of them. And yeah. review them. So I had a real good, and then I became kind of a hero. Nobody really, as much as writers are proud of themselves, most people don't care. When you read a newspaper, unless you're a writer, you probably don't say, who wrote this? Yeah. But when all of a sudden, when your population has been ignored, yeah. and all of a sudden somebody starts writing about it, and then I would go out and like, you're Jennifer Whitlock? <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Not yeah. the Jennifer Whitlock. <laughs> I also wrote about local bands too, so you know yeah. all the bands were after me to try to write about them. But you know, it's, well, it was a whole lot of fun. That's it sounds it. Yeah. And at what point did that change for you? Your your focus. Um, well, I could be honest and tell you that I had a bipolar episode, a manic episode, and um, somehow I said embarrassing things, and then I lost my job. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, it happens, you know. I mean, some people, I, I've done a lot of talking about my bipolar disorder. I've done a lot of lecture lectures. It, it doesn't feel like a lecture, but yeah, sure. Yeah, my yeah. stories, you know, I tell stories about it. And 
one of the things I say, I know people could use this against me. Oh my God, she's a therapist and she's crazy herself. But that's why I did the talks because there, I'm trying to say, forget the stigma. I mean, you know, this happened to me. Afterwards, I went to grad school. I was fascinated with this whole thing. Mm -hmm. And I and I got, uh, before this private practice, I worked for like decade in other places. They, they were happy with me, you know, so. Sure. Uh, yeah, so I, it turned out to be good anyway. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm actually glad that I was kind of separate. Five years there was great. Yeah. And then I moved on. Well, you know, I mean, all the things that we deal with in our lives, um, I, I've always been of the belief, you know, the good, the bad, the, the traumatic, whatever, it makes makes us who we are. Yeah. And, you know, so whatever that was, if you're happy where you are, it's it's tough to look back and, you know, fight that because, you know, here we are. Yeah, know? right. And um, I got through it is the thing. You know, I know some yeah. people who are bipolar go on disability and maybe some people have it harder and they need it. Or I wonder if they give up. You know, I yeah, could have given yeah. up. Oh, I lost my job and well, forget it. But I didn't give up on myself. I I got better. Yeah. I did everything that was given to me, all of the therapy and all the medications that I needed, and and I decided to get on with my life. So I um so I think uh, you know, if somebody wants to hold it against me, that's just fine. They're not going to be my friend anyway. I have enough right. friends, you know, yeah. I can deal with it, you know, oh, well. Uh, but uh, I, I, I think it helps with my clients. I mean, I'll tell some of my bipolar clients that I had similar experiences. And even though mine may be different than their experience, sure. um, I understand them not just from a book, right. but I get it. And And, you know, Clients, you know, whether they're patients of yours or clients of mine, appreciate when you they know that you really understand what they're going through. As far as you know, I, I've I've had people, you know, I had a shoulder replacement, and as soon as I had the shoulder replacement, people were, came out of the woodwork to, to work with me because they knew that I got it. Yeah. And so that when you've experienced something and people know that you've experienced that, they, they kind of go, well, they'll get me. They'll understand me. Right, right. And and also um, that, it, yeah, to take them some of the shame out of it. Yeah. You know, like, hey, you know, it's not like. It's, it's not just you. And not like I was born perfect. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I got perfection later. <laughs> I developed my perfection. <laughs> yeah. And I'll teach yes, you how. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Uh, well, that's great. I mean, great to have gotten through that and you know, worked through that and, you know, mm -hmm. come out the other side. Well, I have to tell you my opinion. I think bipolar people are more brilliant. If we're, if we're stabilized, if we're, if we're not stabilized, we can be a handful, you know, but I still find there's a lot of bipolar people who are extremely creative, including famous creative people. Oh, sure. I yeah. mean, you know, I think, there's still, I still do maybe get more animated than other people and, and I, you know, feel deeply, but it's just not because, not a problem anymore. Right. It's all within, you know, yeah. control. What, what else do you do? You, <laughs> this, is, this is one of those sucker questions where you're just going, I know there's a lot more going on here. So tell me about your, what you do when you're not at work. Okay. Well... I am the Beeb Queen. <laughs> okay. In, that, in okay, case, that, in it, case yeah. people don't know what the Beeb <laughs> is. It's the big, easy Eastern brass. Right. 
And Jeremy Joseph started this group, um, you know, community feeling, you know, everybody's invited, um, all levels of skill, and we parade around town, and there's dancing in the streets, and it's just, it's a moving party. Yeah. It's a moving yeah. party. And so when we heard about it, I mean, we, I, I love New Orleans, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is great. I saw it on the Facebook events. And so I started following them, me and my wife, and I dress up. I am a costume collector, and I... Well, not I, just collector. I mean, I've seen... You've made some pretty impressive costumes, too. Yeah, yeah. I'm... I. Um, it's my thing. I dress up um, even in everyday life. And um, so I dressed up really, you know, fabulous and, and follow this band around. And then they had the first Easton Pride and, and the band played. And I was there dressed up in all my feathers and my rainbows and all this stuff. And Jeremy got down on his knees and he asked me to be the queen. Well, I couldn't say no. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't disappoint that young man. I yeah, mean, yeah. <laughs> he's hard. He's hard to refuse. No, you know? no. Yeah. And basically, it means whatever I wanted to, which mostly means that I, I, I dance up front. I'm trying to create a feeling for it. You know, sure. just a, a feeling of festive that it's a moving party. You yeah. know, and so I'll, I'll wear something crazy, some kind of huge headpiece. Or, um, yeah, just something sparkly and yeah. shiny. And I'll dance. I'll hand out uh, beads. Right. It's very Mardi, Mardi Gras. It's very Mardi Gras, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and then my wife learned the drum. She plays upright bass, and she couldn't carry it along. Yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a heavy carry. Yeah, it's heavy. So, uh, so she uh, joined the, um, the, with the drums, and it's just... I made so many friends there and I just, I just love it. Yeah. Yeah. That's really nice to hear. Yeah. It is quite an, uh, an Easton event. I mean, you guys are at everything, you know, every event that the, the, uh, the city has, you guys are kicking it off usually. Just about. Yeah. yeah. Not every single thing, but yeah. And then we've been doing things. We did music fest this year and it's, yeah, it's just so, so much fun. And I mean, I only moved here about six years ago or five years ago. So yeah. I feel so much like part, I love Easton so much. I mean, we have made so many friends so fast with yeah. all the events going on. It's just such a wonderful place. Yeah. Now it, you know, we moved down here uh, to help take care of my father-in-law and, uh, you know, after he passed the, um, people were asking you to move out. You're going to go back to, we were living in Maine at the time, go back to Maine. And, and it was like, no, this is, this is a great community, you know, both from a business supporting businesses, supporting businesses and the creativity, you know, both in music and the arts and, and everything. It is, it is a very neat, a unique community. Oh, even for therapists, um, where I was in Sussex County, there wasn't much community for people in private practice. Mm -hmm. You know, we spend all our time just talking to people about their problems, and we go home, we don't necessarily have colleagues to talk to. But here in, in this area, there's all these get-togethers, um, like networking, and also especially the Bradbury Sullivan Center in Allentown. They have this wonderful uh, gay center, uh, queer center, and... They have an 
art gallery, and they had a, a banned books reading, and they have all sorts of, and they have support groups, and they also have uh, peer support groups for therapists. Hmm. So once a month, I get together with other therapists to do what I'm doing. And again, in today's climate, um, there's a lot of people who, um, you know, give transgender people a hard time, and we, there's a lot of laws that affect us, and there's we really need to stick together and support each other. Yeah. So it, I just love that that's around. Well, that's great. Uh, back to uh, trans, transgender issues. And you know, with all the problems that we're having now and, and the, the current climate, do you feel that, uh, I mean, what kind of programs would you like to see that aren't happening? I mean, obviously, obviously, the, the, you know, there are political things where, the, you know, we are banning transgenders from this or that, or mm -hmm. all those things are going on. Uh, but what kind of programs would really help support that right. population more? Well, Easton really does need more of that because it, the programs are all in Allentown right now, all the major mm. ones. I heard the Swingles are starting. They're, in yeah, Easton. they're a new business. I mean, we, I interviewed them earlier on, and yeah. uh, they're trying to come up with housing for displaced transgender teens. Oh, that is so important. Yeah. That. Oh my God, I have so many people who, you know, their parents aren't kicking them out, maybe, but it's so hostile. Yeah. Like it's yeah. clear that their parents think they're absolutely ridiculous and let them know that all the time. Sure. And here's this young person going to community college and, you know, um, doesn't have money to move out. I mean, that's a, housing is so expensive. I've really yeah. thought like I've thought maybe after I die, I'll leave my house to transgender people. You know, yeah. it would have to be a program that's run. But there really is a huge problem. Well, for housing in general, for low-income people, it's just yeah, really a crime. Yeah. But um, but there's more need of that for transgender people because even their own parents might not support them, or even if they partially support them or conditionally support them. Like, okay, you can stay only if you dress up as the gender you were assigned. Yeah, that's difficult for people who are transgender. Maybe it's hard to understand, but it's really true. Yeah. So it, it, it for, particularly for them, they really need housing. I've thought about starting a group in this area um, for in East End for transgender people just because some people don't even have transportation to get to Allentown. Yeah, so, right. Yeah. Yeah. So I might be putting something out there if there's enough interest. Well, yeah, if you've not talked to the, the Swingle Foundation, that the... Uh, that's really the direction they're going with all mm -hmm. that. And we talked to, and they were also wanted to do a community center mm -hmm. and oh, that's so have, have programs. You know, and of course, they're, they're mostly in a money raising phase right now. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, and I told them that I want to be part of it because, oh, yeah. you know, okay. honestly, I'm not really a great organizer for stuff like that, you know, but I'm really good at doing it. Right. Yeah, I'm sure. the creative juices. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. Um, what have we not talked about? Okay, what have we not talked about? Um, I'm not sure. Let's see. Uh, well, I guess one thing I was thinking of is why True Colors Center for Creative Sure, Therapy. yeah, and I, I'm remiss in asking because I usually am very good about asking the names of things. Why the name? Yeah, well, it's about authenticity as yeah. opposed to, like, if you think about commercial culture and, and what they're trying to tell you and how to improve your life would be um, buying your product or... Um, losing weight or, you know, mm. or, or our culture in general, you know, people try to gain a sense of self-worth by um, 
improving their status or their money or their looks or their weight or something like that. Yeah. And that isn't always authentic to who the particular person is. Sure. It's conforming to some outside norms. You know, there's some people, it's called a norm, so maybe the norm is that most people can conform. You know, I can't, and I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Down with the norm. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, that's, you know, I mean, truly the, you know, I've always told my kids, you know, well, actually, there's an interesting question somebody asked, would you rather be normal or weird? <laughs> and it's just my hands down weird. Right. You know, for me, right. I, you know, to, I'm, it's not about blending in. Right. Um, well, although that's a comfort zone and a lot of people do try to do that. So many, especially teenage years, that's an adolescent thing to try to fit in and people try to conform. I mean, at least in my adolescent years, you know, I didn't feel adequate as I was. And, and instead of accepting myself, I maybe tried to lose the weight or do whatever yeah. or try to, or, or make up a fake self that you think people will like better than you. Right. But then if they like the fake self, then what satisfaction is that? You know, it's like they say, if I'd rather be liked by two people for who I really am than 25 people for who I pretend to be. Right. So, um, and true colors is also part of the authenticity of being transgender. You know, that's what it comes down to is the reason why people want to make these changes that will make a lot of Republicans hate them is because it's more satisfying to be yourself than to fake it. It's, oh, yeah. it's just true, you know? So, and I tend to be an odd bird, you know, and uh, I just, I've been so much happier since I've embraced it. Yeah. 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 I, I, people, you know, I dress really eccentrically and I walk down the street and people love it. I have people always want, can I take my picture with you? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, I love the way, oh, I wish I could wear hair like yours or, you know, I mean, it's like, yeah, sure. I, I almost feel like I'm a celebrity. <laughs> well, you know, you are outstanding. You know, you stand out. Yeah. You know, the, the, uh, and, uh, that's that's you know exceptional. I mean, Seth Godin, a business author, uh, had sort of played with the words and, and just going, you know, to be outstanding, to be exceptional, you are the exception. Okay. You are not the norm. Uh -huh. Outstanding, you stand out. Right. You know, so to that, those are the people we typically look to, those who are outstanding and exceptional. But but in order to do that, you can't be normal. <laughs> you know. Right. Yeah. A lot of my clients are afraid of that. I mean, I hear them. I mean. Social anxiety is all the rage these days. <laughs> Special, yeah. Here, have some more. <laughs> Cha-ching for me, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, especially since the pandemic, when people were forced to be inside all the time and they yeah. got out of their grooves. And so I have so many clients who are isolated and just spends all their time in their house, you know, watching TV or playing with their, their phone and things like that. And I just... And they're always afraid, well, if I do this, what will people think of me? Oh, I don't mean to make fun of them, but, uh, they, you no, know. No, no, no. I mean, if it's... I do this, what will people think of me? And they're so afraid to be different because somebody might not like them. And the truth is, no matter what you do, so, some people will like you, some people will not like right. you, and some people will not care either way. Right. No matter what you do, so you might as well just be yourself. So, um, yeah, so that's Words one. to live by. Right. So that's actually my niche. I prefer to have um, eccentric and different people, you know, um, rather than, I can't really, I can't help people be the norm because I don't even know what the norm is, to right. tell you the truth. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. 
So True Colors is really that, as you said, the authenticity of being yourself. That's what it is. It's just about finding yourself and being it. And often on the way in between there, people might have anxiety, like, ooh, if I do this, people won't like me. And these are because of past situations mm -hmm. and you need to sort through the past situations and then just get on with your life. Anything else we've not touched on? What else? Oh, do you know what I didn't mention, too, about the True Colors? I just recently started on Facebook a True Colors creative activities Lehigh Valley page because so many times with these clients who are afraid to go out, and I'm like, okay, well, if you were going to go out, where would you go? I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, you can always go to a bar, but I'm about expressing yourself creatively, and people who come to a creative therapy place want to be creative. So I'm telling them, oh, how about this? How about that? How about this? How about that? And sending them things, ideas of things to do. I'm like, let's just put it all in one place. So I, I just started that a few weeks ago. And okay. that lists Easton and this whole area. I am just so amazed how many things that they have offered. You know, I have, you know, been in at Connections, their drink and draw. They have, you know, figure right. drawing groups. And I, you know, I've been in the Beeb. I'm in the choir at um, Lehigh University. I took a burlesque dancing class with Mika Romantic. And I mean, where I lived before in New Jersey, they didn't have all these things. It's a very rural area, you know. They have the, I don't know, the Moose Lodge. <laughs> I don't know what they. Have. <laughs> So well, not to <laughs> knock the Moose Lodge, but yeah, not to, but it's not my place, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Just not me. yeah. But anyway, yeah. So, I, so that's an, a resource if anybody wants to look it up. So, say that one more time. What okay. is it? The it, the name is True Colors Creative Activities Lehigh Valley on Facebook. And, on Facebook, and I list just creative things going on in the area. Yeah. So these are not necessarily things you're organizing, but you're just putting out there so people have the yeah. opportunity to partake. I, I would also put um, another reason, too, is that I will put my own groups there. Yeah. So when yeah. I start the next um, group, I will put it there. And already now I have 150 people who say they're interested in creative things. This is good for me, but this is also great for my colleagues who do music therapy and art therapy. Sure. You know, we, we do... We list regular, you know, crafts and art things like at Connections, but then also art therapy that's specifically supposed to be therapeutic. So right. it has the whole gamut, whether it's explicitly therapy or not. I think it's all therapeutic, though. Sure. Yeah. No, I hear you. And for people who are socially anxious, um, giving them something to do helps them. Like, if the, even if they don't have the guts to talk to anybody. Yeah. They're exposing themselves to a social situation, and they're doing an activity. They're probably wondering if they're good enough, but I've already talked to them about that. <laughs> if they're my client. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tell them that they have to give themselves permission to suck. That's the biggest yeah. thing in creativity. People want to be creative and do all these things, and the biggest thing that stops them is, I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. When ironically, the way to get good is to do it again right. and again and again. Yeah. You know, it's as if like this instant gratification thing that you have to do it the first time and be ta-da, you know, like their worth is caught up in the product of what they make. It's like, right. no, no, it can suck. And, and I found myself too when I was there, you know, people want to look at it and I'm like, I'm not an artist, but 
And then I'm like, wait a minute, why do I even have to give them a disclaimer? Sure. Yeah. 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 And actually, I mean, I wasn't as technically skilled as the other people, but I was kind of happy with my drawings. Good. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> well, I think we have covered it now. Okay. And uh, well. Jen, I, I just want to say thank you so much for uh, agreeing to be interviewed. Yeah. And good luck with everything. I mean, you've got some wonderful stuff going on. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening to Hello Easton PA. This is Mark Nutting, hoping that you'll stop by again to find out more about your fellow Estonians. Have a great day. <laughs>